Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Nicole. And I'm Gina. And today we are dishing up another episode in our self-care series, today being on the topic of self-care from a student's perspective. Um, But of course, before we begin, as always, just a quick favor to ask everyone, if you like this podcast, please write us a review. Reviews on iTunes are everything to us and they really help us reach more people. So we'd appreciate it. We shouldn't say if you like this podcast, we should say because you like this podcast. Or since you like this podcast, I'm just kidding. That's a really, really good call. (laughs) No, I think you're exactly right. Are we stopping the recording and editing? No, we're totally not. We're rolling. (laughs) I mean, that's such a good point. Why is it taking us like 50 episodes to... 50? 107, Gina. But how many... We haven't been saying this the whole time. (laughs) You were so funny. All right, we're (laughs) in. We're rolling. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Today's show is part of our self-care series. So once a month, we'll focus on a new area of self-care. We know life gets overwhelming for all of us. And that sense of getting lost in a sea of to-dos, worry, and anxiety seems inevitable. Self-care can be described as the active proce- process of making your body and mind a pleasant place to inhabit by filling your own cup first, which ensures you have enough to give others. Huge topic, this whole self-care business, lots to unpack. So topic at a time. And today we're talking student life and how students can ensure they are showing themselves self-care uh, at what a lot of people find, many people find to be a stressful time in life. And among students, self-care behaviors uh, were linked with improved academic progress as well as life satisfaction, in addition to a decreased psychological distress level. This makes sense. And yet students struggle to implement and adhere to self-care behaviors like all of us because life is busy and often we ourselves come last. Financial and time pressures repeatedly top the list of challenges many students face, along with academic stress, of course. School life balance or making time for activities and enjoyment away from studies can also be a barrier to self-care. In researching today's topic, I ran across the line, and you'll love this, Gina, quote, modeling imperfection. That that just resonated with me. Do you you as well? Yes. Modeling imperfection. I love that. Lots to tackle here, and let's hop in discussing self-care among students with a current student. That is not you or I, Gina. (laughs) She goes to Michigan State, and her name is Ashley Hested. Let's welcome her to the show. Ashley, thanks for joining the show. Your mom reached out with your interest in nutrition, and I was super excited to find a way to connect with you. We're so glad that we're, we're able to make that happen on the podcast today. Um, and we'll preface by saying you're at MSU, not U of M. Gina's a huge Buckeye fan, in case you didn't know. Uh, and while we have a lot of parents and young professionals tuning into our show, we know that students are also tuning in um, at pretty high rates. And Gina, you and I, we graduated <clears throat> some time ago, like a long time ago. And uh, we knew that talking directly with a student would certainly be dra- best in addressing self-care for students. So thanks for thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. All 
Right. Well, Ashley, it's nice to meet you, um, quote unquote, I guess, virtually here. Uh, can you just tell us a bit about yourself, your major at Michigan State, and perhaps where you see your first career job landing you? Yeah, I'm a fifth year student, actually, at Michigan State. I'm getting two degrees. I have one in biosystems engineering with a concentration in food science. And my second degree is in environmental studies and sustainability. Um, in the future, I want to go to grad school to maybe get my master's in public health. I've also considered becoming an RD. And I'm interested in just becoming like a nutritional counselor, maybe working with low income households that don't have time and resources to like focus on nutrition. Um, I might start off in like a hospital setting to kind of get some experience, get my foot in the door. But I think long run, I do want to work in like community based work with low income people. Did you have an experience? I'm just curious, um, going off script here. Did you have some type of an experience or something? Um just what led you to that? I'm just curious. Um, when I was younger, my mom and I struggled a lot because she was a single parent. And for a few years, we were kind of in that situation of like low income, low food availability. And I kind of had an interest in that. And um, I went to Australia on a study abroad trip and I did my project there in uh, food insecurity. And from that kind of stemmed this snowballing into like working with food insecurity, then working with low income households into like nutritional counseling as a way to help them through that. Oh, I love that. It tends to be, yeah, it's something, something that happens to us personally that really gets us interested yeah. in where, you know, careers take us. I love that. Mm -hmm. So what do classes look like today when Gina and I were school, everything was like, butt in the chair, you know, that's how we learned. And that's certainly not the case anymore, even before COVID, certainly now probably even more. Uh, so I guess, do you prefer remote learning as, as a means of, of education and has remote learning improved school, school life balance? Um, I really don't like remote learning. I really prefer in-person learning. Um, just when we were in remote, I could roll out of bed and turn on my computer and not have much motivation to do anything. So being in person, I really like have to get up and have a schedule and like go do things and be able to get some exercise and walk around. Um, most of my classes are in person since I'm in my senior level engineering classes, but a lot of them are like online optional. So if you're not feeling well, you can stay home and watch from Zoom. And I think that's a really good idea that's been implemented. And do you see students, I, do students abuse that? Or do you think that others really enjoy the classroom experience as well? Um, I, I have one class where it's about 60 people and only about 15 to 20 people show up in person, but the rest do come online. So I'm not sure if they're really abusing it, but maybe they just do prefer to be online instead of in person. I know a lot of people are having a lot of anxiety with COVID right now, too. So I think that might be the case. Yeah, I feel like just kind of putting myself back in college, I would probably if I had the option for remote learning, I would easily skip a class like geology that I could care less about. That was just mm -hmm. an extra class I had to take for what are they called? Gen eds. Um, but you know, a, a nutrition course or a food science course that I'm really into, I would, I would want to, to actually go to. So I could, 
I could see that being a benefit. I don't have to go to econ or whatever class didn't have anything to do with my major. Yeah. Um, so that, that would be nice. I would also say from the perspective of someone who's taught in a, for a university, I, 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 I don't know what it is about. Te- it's it's kind of like now when I podcast, when I'm just talking to Nicole over without looking at her, it's kind of strange. That's kind of how I feel when I'm teaching over the internet virtually. It's like, I'm, I'm talking, I feel like I'm talking to no one. I don't know. It's just very, it's a very odd feeling. Um, so mm-hmm. just from, from my perspective. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So do you think that the uptick in remote learning has caused students to be more sedentary? Um, and is there anything that either you or the university have in place to enhance movement or the opportunity to move for students? Yeah, it's definitely made everyone more sedentary. I was having a lot of joint issues with sitting here for a year and a half. Um, and I've noticed even in the past two weeks of classes being started, I feel 100% better just walking around campus every day. Um, and even like in classes now, in-person classes, my professors are like, okay, we're going to get up and have a five-minute stretch break. And they didn't do that online. Like there wasn't really any incentive to move at all. And a lot of professors were having a hard time getting in all of their content in the scheduled time period. It's just something with Zoom that their normal um, curriculum for in-person learning just wasn't working over the Zoom. So they were just cramming and cramming and cramming everything in. And so we just kind of had to sit there all day. And when your classes were back to back, there was really no opportunity to like get up and move. And I didn't really have anything during COVID where I would make myself get up and move because I felt like I just needed to be in classes all day. And then when I wasn't in classes, I need to get done the, the mountains of homework that I had from these professors because they just didn't have enough time. So that that's the definite big drawback about remote learning is that no one was really telling us that we should still be getting exercise. We should go on walks every day or like take time between classes to just get up and move around. It's so true. I mean, when I was in college and still working at a university, I will say my workout is built into my day. Um, Mm -hmm. I would wake up for my eight o'clock class. I would get, you know, a 10 minute walk to class, 10 minute walk home, then maybe go to one more class, another 10 minute. I mean, I'd easily walk for an hour a day. Yeah. Uh, So, so again, your exercise is just built right into your day. But when you're remote learning, man, I can't even imagine. So has um, Michigan State... So last year specifically, what did they do for students and what maybe has continued to other than, you know, talking with the professors and having them add stretch breaks, if that was a a university initiative, I don't know if it was, but what else have they done? Have they added more classes to your rec center or is there anything else that they're doing, any programming that they're doing to really promote the idea of movement? Yeah, there actually was something that they did this year. Um, We have two gyms on campus on either end of campus. And, um, it's usually, I want to say around $150 for a two semester pass to the gym, but this year they actually put it in our tuition. So they, it's, they, for the next four years, like this year, it started off $50 in fall, $50 in spring. And for the next four years, they're going to keep increasing the price, which I don't necessarily agree with, but, um, you've paid for a gym membership. So that's kind of saying, well, 
I've already bought this thing. I might as well go utilize it. So before you had to opt in, but now yeah. you're already in. Got it. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. That's interesting. Huh. Uh, I'll be honest. I also don't love remote learning. I think it's super hard, but I do love the freedom of it. If we, if I, I guess that's the best word. That said, I find it very hard to focus and also retain the information, probably because I'm multitasking. So what? Yeah keeps you on task or limits your multitasking or just mindless activities in general, like scrolling social media, or maybe that's just me? Um, honestly, not very much really stopped me from doing that. Like, especially when COVID first started, a lot of our professors didn't really know what to do. And so they kind of stopped homework and stopped exams. And so we had no incentive to keep paying attention. And even last year when we kind of got things figured out, I'd have a really hard time just like being glued to my phone and not paying attention during classes. And usually I had to either give my phone to my roommate or actually go put it in another room and turn it off. Otherwise, I'd just be on it all day. And that's really why I don't like remote learning. Like you can't have your professor sitting there staring at you if you're just playing on your phone all of class. Mm -hmm. And so... Just the blank screen, I could just do whatever I want. So that was really what I did was just completely turn off my phone, absolutely disconnect myself from it, and absolutely force myself to focus, close the door, get as far away from it as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. So, do you always have your camera off during class? Would you say? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because everybody does? Well, yes, because everyone does. And also, I'm a fidgeter. So I'm sitting there like staring off into space up in the corner. I'm up walking around. I really don't want my professor to like see me doing these weirdly weird things. Um, so I think that's the biggest reason that I have mine off. That's interesting. See, I would make my students keep their camera on. Me too. I, and actually, I specifically remember one time when it, some, uh, there was clearly a student who had just gone into the Zoom meeting and then left, but forgot to put her computer on mute. And mm-hmm. she must have been babysitting or something because there was a crying baby in our, in, and I couldn't get her to pay. I was like, hello, are you there? No one, just silence, screaming baby. Um, because she clearly, again, logged in to get the points and then walked away. So yeah. I always have them put on the camera. Of course, I just, yeah, I, class. I don't know. If I, I do have a couple of classes. I do have a couple of classes that, that actually had us turn on our cameras, but I still didn't <laughs> pay all that much attention. That's funny. And <laughs> going back to what you said, I am a one to scroll as well. Like Nicole said, something I do this exactly at, at my job as well, because I'll be on the computer a lot for my job. And if I'm doing something, you know, a, a big project, a good way that I can focus is simply by turning off my, my phone and putting it away and my um, Outlook mail. Because if I see a mail come in, I'll get sidetracked and go look at that email mm-hmm. and then get, you know, sidetracked to something else. And so I turn off my Outlook uh, mail as well. So I think that's a really good tip. Just kind of put your phone to the side, close out your browser and just focus. Even if it means you're fidgeting at the same time, that's if that helps you focus as well. There's nothing wrong with that. So yeah, that's a great that's a great tip. I'm glad you said that, Gina, because I was realizing today at work as I'm sitting, I have my cell phone, the office phone, and then you've got your email open. Within Mm -hmm. our electronic medical record, there's a chat feature. Then you also have Teams open. 
So at any given moment, in addition to people walking up to me, whether it's somebody on my team or a patient coming to like check in because I'm currently covering the front desk, I was like, that is seven ways to communicate at once. (laughs) And it's like, wow. And then I look at my teams and I'm like, oh, I have notifications. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't even know. You become numb almost to all of it going through. Or you just take, we call them, I call it quick wins. Like you tend to like get the quick wins, like, oh, that's a two second email response. I'm going to knock that out. Um, Mm -hmm. And that seems very satisfying for whatever reason. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Ooh, we're, we've got all the, all the, the flood floods of uh, stimuli. So as dietitians, Ashley, we place value, as you probably know, on a balanced diet that's plentiful and nutritious foods, Uh, but that can be both an expense and a time constraint. Also, obviously, when you're in college, what does nutrition look like for you? And what are some tips you would give to a student struggling to find the time, energy, or resources to improve their diet? Um, when COVID happened, I kind of didn't focus on diet and nutrition at all. I was just kind of muddling through everything and like sitting on my phone on my phone doom scrolling all day and watching the news and so I just kind of ate whatever I had in the house usually like already prepared foods but one thing that really like impacted me is last spring I was taking a nutrition class and with our weekly discussion posts our last question was um we had to like take a picture of and describe what we were eating that week eating or cooking that um corresponded to what we were learning that week. So like if we were learning about greens or nuts and seeds or plant-based proteins, we had to purposely incorporate that thing into our lives. So I was kind of forced to be better about how what I was eating and not just putting junk into my body all day. So I think one of my biggest tips would be like do nutrition with somebody else, like one of your friends or a significant other. And kind of keep yourselves accountable because if you're just like by yourself all day, you don't have much accountability to not stuff yourself with junk food. Um, So that's yeah, that would be my biggest tip. And then also um, a thing that I found with some of my friends is that sometimes like nutrition can really stress people out and because they don't have the time and the money and the resources to put all of their energy into making sure that they're eating well. So I've just told them, like, go ahead and take a step back. Like, if you really do need to just eat mac and cheese for a couple days, like, go ahead. Food's supposed to be enjoyable. And, like, even though you do want all these nutrients for yourself, if you're, like, forcing yourself to eat a salad every day or to cook really healthy and you're not finding any enjoyment from it, you're not going to want to do it long term. So just taking it day by day and trying to be the best that you can with the resources and time that you have and your mental state, of course. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's those are such good tips. And, you know, it's crazy to think, I mean, looking back, I was stressed in college. And I think mm-hmm. about that now and I think to myself, man, I wish I could do college all over again. But man, it was also a stressful time. It's like, it's always, you always are looking to the future thinking, oh, things will be better when, right? Um, mm-hmm. But now that I look back, I'm like, wow, I could have really taken advantage of, of college. It was just such a great time. But 
I spent way too much time stressing about eating healthy and, you know, being, you know, quote unquote, perfect. And of course it's easier now. Hindsight's always 2020, but I think that's just a good tip. Kind of try to live in the moment, enjoy food and find that food freedom if you can. If that means talking with someone about that or finding a counselor or a dietitian at at Michigan State, which I know there's some great ones, Mm -hmm. uh, that's probably a, a good, a good idea to do too. But time, time, we all wish we had more of it. And there's no doubt about it. Students have a lot of things they're juggling at one time. Ashley, what helps to keep you organized with your time and priorities as they arise? Do you have some type of a certain schedule for studying and homework or any type of routine that can reduce academic stress and perhaps promote self-care? Yeah, um, I know it's a pretty basic answer, but I have a planner. And I find it really works for me. I have like colored pens that I use to color code my classes so I can kind of like really quick write out what I have to do, what day and what time. Um, But otherwise, I have um, like Sunday and Tuesday are the best days for me to I sit down and I try to do all of my homework that I can at the time being so that through the rest of the week, if something pops up, I have the time to do it and I don't have all this other looming homework and um, another thing is I just decide that at this time I'm going to stop and like my my boyfriend and I like to cook and eat dinner together every day so around six o'clock we'll just put our homework away and we'll go make dinner and then after that we might like sit down and either watch a show or like play some video games and do a little bit of homework if we need to but we try to keep our evenings clear just to have time for ourselves and to kind of decompress from school. So I really do try to get all of my homework done in those couple of days when I have the time and I don't have classes. And I think that really helps me to just have a time where I stop and I go eat dinner. And then if I'm doing homework after dinner, I'll have a time where I stop and I start to get ready for bed because I know I have an early class the next day that I really need sleep for. Well, that brings us into our next question. But first, I want to say I have a tip from that I remember so well. It sounds like you're very good at prioritizing your time, which is so, so important. Um, but when I was in college, and I don't know if you do this, Ashley or Nicole, if you did this, something that really helped me was I would always, after a lecture, I would just go over my notes one time. Uh, even if it was just for five minutes, I would just re, re-review all the notes I took or if it was in graduate school, I would go back and listen to the lecture one more time. That would take a little bit longer just to kind of let all the information sink in. And I'm telling you, I found that I rarely had to study because I always reviewed what I had learned just one more time or even twice. Uh, and that just really, really helped me. And I think I, I feel like my mom gave me that tip when I was in college and I thought it was done for it. But I started doing it and it just really, really worked for me. Um, but yes, that's, that's great. Prioritizing your time uh, is just something that I don't think comes naturally to everyone. But if you've got that in you, I think that's going to help you the rest of your life, especially when it comes to sleep. It's so important that you prioritize sleep. We actually talk about sleep hygiene on this show all the time. uh, And many students are not getting the recommended amount of sleep. I have talked to those students And the recommended amount of sleep is at least seven hours a night for college students and beyond. 
Is this a struggle for you to achieve? Sounds like it's not. Or what (laughs) sleep care behaviors or routines do you have in place to improve your sleep habits other than the ones that you've just mentioned? (laughs) Yeah, I need my sleep. If I don't get my sleep, I'm just going to be really angry all day and no one wants to deal with me when I'm angry like that. And I, I don't have the like textbook definition, like good sleep habits. Like I'm usually on my phone in bed. I don't necessarily try to limit screens, especially with having to do online homework. Like I'm usually just doing homework up until I get ready for bed and that's going to be on my computer. So otherwise, like I don't really have those good sleeping habits. I really do try to like I try to not be on my phone when I'm in bed. I try to not drink coffee afternoon. I try to do all the good things, but really, I just know that if I don't get my sleep, I'm not going to do well the next day. So I always try to make sure that I'm going to bed at a specific time because I know that I have at least um, X amount of hours in bed before I have to get up the next morning. So you keep a routine like bedtime is at a certain time. Yeah. Yeah. What is that time? Just curious. Um, I try to start to get ready around like 1030 or 11, depending on what's going on that day. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that's reasonable. Uh, Good. All right. What are the three things that bring you the most enjoyment on a day-to-day basis and how do you ensure they're regularly incorporated? I think you mentioned the maybe one with your boyfriend and making dinner. I love that. If you have three more or two more, whatever you got, I'd love to hear them. Um, yeah, that, that's my biggest thing that I had was just cooking with my boyfriend. Like we both love to cook. And honestly, I think he might like it more than I do. And he's definitely better at it than I am. Um, but we both love to do that. We make sure to do it every day. If we're not cooking something, we'll make sure to sit down and eat together. Um, another thing that I really like to do is I like to go to the gym. Um, well, my boyfriend and I will like play some video games together sometimes. I like to crochet. I actually picked that up over mm-hmm. quarantine. My mom taught me. Um, <laughs> and like occasionally we'll go and get some nice coffee at a cafe up the road. But uh, for like the gym and crocheting, I don't really get to do that every day just because it, I'm really busy as a student. I'm in 19 credits right now. So I'm kind oh. of overloaded. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but I do try to have more of a schedule. Like I go to the gym on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays. So even though I'm not doing that every day, I do have days that I know I'm going to do it. And I know I'll feel a little better because I did. Yeah. You're scheduled. It sounds like. Yeah. (laughs) Things are not a surprise. It also sounds like, no, it sounds like this boyfriend of yours needs to stay in your life for a long time. If you love it and it's really good at it. Does he do dishes? Just the tip. Keep him around. Yeah. Does he do dishes? Good question. <laughs> yes. We we both do dishes together, but he oh. he does help. He doesn't just cook and leave it. He's he's pretty scheduled and clean like I am. So we're a pretty good fit. Do you guys like the nice. same foods or where do you find all oh, your yeah. inspo for dinner? Um, He just invents recipes out of the blue. I don't know how he does it, but he just kind of throws things together and it always tastes delicious. I don't know where he gets it. I just try, I scroll through Pinterest to find recipe ideas, but we usually do like most things. Interesting. I just last night we made homemade gnocchi. Oh, yum. It took like four hours, but it was worth it. (laughs) 
Uh, you guys probably did it did it well. I made I made homemade yonki once actually when I was when I was a blogger and I made it with sweet potatoes. Mm. It I don't think I put enough love into it. It was it was <laughs> good but not great and it did not take me 4 hours. Perhaps it should have. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Ashley, do you resonate with being a perfection perfectionist at all or how does it sit with you to consider being a, we were talking about this before you got on, a model for imperfection? Um, and would giving yourself permission to not always achieve at the highest level be a form of self-care for you? Um, yeah, I can be a perfectionist, but being in engineering, I kind of had to give that up a long time ago because there's absolutely no way that you can pass all four calcs and have a 4.0. Um, so. I, yeah, I had to give that up a while ago, but I do still struggle with feeling like I'm not trying my hardest, like during COVID when I know I wasn't trying my hardest and then I wasn't getting the grades that I wanted. I was really struggling with feeling the need to try harder and do everything I could to get good grades. But if it's just not in your mental capacity, like it's not sustainable for you to try to be a perfectionist like it's definitely a form of self-care to give up that and even if like someone is a person that needs to be a perfectionist in every single thing that they do if they just give up like one thing that's definitely a step in the right direction that can really help your mental health and um I lost my train of thought (laughs) No, I, I think you're right, Ashley. I'm just thinking, again, I keep thinking about my college days as you speak. <laughs> and I was very much a perfectionist. And I think you're exactly right. Almost like a domino effect. If you can give up just one thing that you yeah. are a perfectionist about and then learn to live with that and be okay with that and comfortable with that, then it can kind of slowly, as a domino effect would, just you can start to slowly give up other things. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that you're not a good person or that you're not doing well. You just don't have that rigid perfectionist mindset that might actually be holding you back. So I think that's a really great tip. Or you choose the class for me. That was yeah. bi- biochem. I hated biochemistry. Now I think I everyone hates like, biochemistry. <laughs> I love biochemistry, you guys. Uh, <laughs> what's wrong with me? <laughs> well, then I got to nutritional biochem and I was like, oh, well, it's nutrition related. Out, slam dunk. No, I think I got a C minus in that class. And you know what? I was <laughs> thrilled. By the time I was a senior, I was like, hey, you know what? If I'm graduating, I'm good to go. Like, that's yeah. all I cared about. I, I had fully, I just feel like with the number of, uh, chemistry classes and biochemistry classes. I graduated with a minor, but by that point I was just, I was so done. I was like, chemistry mm. is a huge part of nutrition. I did what I needed to do. I checked the box and I had a 2.0 doing it, whatever it was. Yeah. I don't know. It was fine. <laughs> I had my other classes to kind of, um, round it out. I don't think it was quite a 2.0. It was a, a little bit better, but mm-hmm. I, I think that would be, it made me think when you guys were ta- saying that, that Perhaps students also just choose the subject that's harder, hardest for them, and, and they mm-hmm. they find what's reason, reasonable rather mm-hmm. than killing themselves for the A that is going to suck every ounce of joy from their lives for that entire you know class duration. It's just it's not mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah, yeah or I, just the area. Go ahead, Ashley. I passed a um, statics class with one point five my sophomore year. I think that was my breaking point. <laughs> Your sophomore year. Yes. 
that statics class was absolutely the worst class I've ever taken, even compared to Calc 4. <laughs> I oh feel my like gosh. sophomore year is typically the hardest year for a lot of students. Do you think so? I like would agree academically. With that. Mm-hmm. It was for um, me. Yep. I don't, I think I may have a skewed perception since I'm a fifth year. So kind of some of my sophomore classes were in my junior year also. So yeah, I think I can agree with that. (laughs) I just, to add one more thing, I think also, you know, as far as being a perfectionist, I I don't think it just has to be about the classes. Think about the area in your life that you are the most perfectionist about and, and where it is hurting you the most. So again, I think about when I was in school, I was such a perfectionist about what I put in my body. And that hurt me, my self-care, my, my social life, I even, I think in so many ways. So for me to just be able to kind of, um, you know, pull, pull on the reins a little bit from, from that and kind of be a little bit less rigid in that area would have helped me to kind of just take baby steps to loosening my perfectionist overall. But yeah, just choose the class or just choose the area. I think. I love it. Ashley, is there anything we didn't cover self-care wise or anything related to a student or nutrition that you feel inclined to share about? Um, I think like just the area of diet culture is so harmful, especially in college. Like you see all these sororities, especially that are all, they like recruit the tiniest girls who are all like gorgeous and all this. And then if you're just some normal person, you're seeing that and you're like, okay, I need to be like them. I think that's just so toxic in universities and it's so hard to look past. And it's just something that you need to like mentally just get rid of. And it's way harder than it sounds like, but that's going to impact the whole rest of your life. If you're stuck on this diet cycle to look like other people because you're not other people. You're never going to be other people. And I think in so many young people's minds, all they want to do is look like somebody else and they never accept who they are and they never nourish their body the way they should, even if they do hold a little bit more weight than somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. you have you have social media. I, I, mm-hmm. I was a freshman, just a, a freshman in college when uh, Facebook became a thing. Uh, and that was when Facebook was at Big Ten universities only. Gina, does this ring a bell? Well, that's funny, Nicole, because you're a little bit younger than me. I was a no, maybe I was a, a junior. I because I was I was living in my house, so yeah, I must have been a junior when it when Facebook. Yes, yes, it does it was, ring a bell. <laughs> you had to have a .edu address uh, a million years yep. ago to to get your Facebook account, and yeah, it started at Ivy Leagues and then Big Ten schools, but that was. We're, I'm aging myself here, but you went out with your digital camera and then plugged in your SD card last night, you know, the next morning and you're like, oh, what was I up to last night? And then whatever you wanted, you could like upload to Facebook and, and you had like an album for, for every night of your life. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, well, that's a lot. But that was like how social media started for me. But now it's just so instantaneous with Instagram and Snapchat. It's just, I think that diet culture stuff is is just all the more in your face when it's- yeah. Well, in every facet. Yeah, that too. Right. We didn't have those. We didn't, we didn't try to make ourselves look perfect on every post. We, I mean, we wanted to choose a good photo, obviously, but we couldn't do anything about it. Like this is the photo we took. This is all we had to work with. That's what we post. 
There's no filters making us have bigger eyes or, you know, prettier hair, beautiful skin, whatever it is, which is what everyone uses now. And so everyone's mm-hmm. comparing themselves to all the filters. And I, I want to kind of go back to what you said, though. And I, and, I, and I know you didn't mean this when you said it, but I do think it's okay to be tiny as a college yes, student. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and there are plenty of tiny people out there. And, and I don't think that's what you're saying that you. That yeah. You I mean, my best friend shouldn't. is barely over a hundred pounds. So. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's fine. I think what you're maybe the, the main thing that maybe sororities, fraternities, all of these, you know, college programs need to think about is just simply diversifying yeah. who they, who they allow to come into their group. Because yeah, if you, I know when I was in, you know, college, if I think about, I was in a sorority for like two months, it only lasted a couple months, but <laughs> I think about all my friends. I mean, they really, very few of them were in larger bodies. I can't even honestly think of, of one that I can remember in that big picture. They were all, you know, like what you were saying, like very beautiful women. And again, yeah. it's okay to be a beautiful woman. Um, but it was, there was no diversity, even skin color. There was very yeah. little diversity. There, there's ster- there still isn't very much diversity in That's, anything. <laughs> Yeah. And, and it's not that you're going to a school that's not diverse because Michigan yeah. State is very diverse. Now, yeah. I'm sure there are more diverse schools out there, but I think it's it's become more diverse, just like Ohio State University, where I live. Uh, it's become much more diverse. And so let's see that. Of course, it doesn't mean that everyone wants to join a sorority or fraternity, but just in general, just more diversity. And yeah. And I say that about, yeah, I say that about sororities too, just because I know I have heard of like, people in Greek life being like, yeah, they made me do this. They made me go on a diet, et cetera, et cetera. And just because they want that image for their sorority. And that's, yeah, that's why I kind of mentioned that because that's what everyone wants to be. They're like, I want to be with those girls who look perfect. And even if they are sitting there struggling with themselves because their sisters are telling them that they look horrible and stuff like that. it's just such a toxic place all around. (laughs) That's so interesting. It's like the form of hazing that we never hear about. You know, we always hear about these fraternities that are making, you know, their fraternity brothers drink a whole liter of vodka, but we never hear about things like what you just said. I have never heard that. Does it shock me? No, it doesn't. But I've never actually heard that before. I was in a sorority. I I made it more than two months. (laughs) I made it all four years. But I I actually joined. So I, I saw that I saw the culture, right? And it was concerning. And I guess as somebody in a larger body, I joined a house that did offer me diversity and I felt welcomed as is, right? I, I mean, I was yeah. not in as big of a body as I am now, but I was not that I was not, you know, twiggy and um yeah, that wasn't me. And and that's inter- that's interesting. I guess um and the school I went to, I went to Illinois at the time I want to say was over 60% Greek. Um, and, and that was the reason I did it was because so much of the social life was ingrained in, in Greek life that there wasn't, mm-hmm. it didn't seem much outside of that. And, and so I did go that way. And actually my senior year, I, I helped girls rush. If I were to do it again, what I, I don't know. Um, I was not like through and through a Delta Zeta. <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed, <laughs> oh my gosh, easy deezies. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean it was it was fine. It it didn't like make or break college at all for me. It was like one thing, I guess. I, I had a very different approach. <laughs> it was yeah. um That's it great. wasn't yeah. cultish where my house, I guess. 
people had other stuff going on. So yeah. Interesting. Find your right sorority. Absolutely. Shop around. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Good. That's so helpful. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us more just about student life, self-care. We certainly wish you the best in your time remaining at Michigan State. And you'll have to keep us posted as to where life takes you next. Enjoy the ride. Yeah, I definitely will. Thank awesome. you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Ashley. All right. That was awesome. It's great to talk to some some youth in the world. It is. <laughs> Makes it is. me feel I'm a little to old. It. I know. I, seriously, since I work for a university, it is. Uh, I'm always feeling old walking around all these youthful students. But I think in, in some regards, they also make us feel young again. So it's great. It was great to have her. All right. So coming up on October 3rd, we will be dishing about four incredibly random things. We've never done this before. So get excited. Stay tuned. Until then, keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitians Dish Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. And check out all of our episodes and show notes on our website, dietitiansdishpodcast.com. Also, please tell your friends about us. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. If you listen on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds. All right. Until next time, everyone, be well. And Nicole, we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, Gina. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs>